You listen to 247 Real Talk. Welcome to my podcast. It's a pleasure to be here with you once again. I'm your host, Julian Perry. And for this episode, I'm going to try to keep it short, but I want to talk about two things um, relevant to this week here. One has to do with forgiveness, and the other has to do with the struggle for survival. And maybe I'll throw in a little bit about crime, because something happened, I think, yesterday that's really disturbing. Anyway, sit back, relax, grab yourself a cup of coffee or whatever it is you need, your beverage, and uh, I'll be right back with you. Welcome back to the 247 Real Talk Podcast. Once again, I'm your host, Julian Perry. It's a pleasure to be here with you for another episode. Um, I want to focus in this episode on two things. You know, I'm trying to keep things very current and in the news because I think that that's important that we are in touch with what's going on in our lives. And many of us are so busy that we don't recognize what's going on. Not only that's affecting us, even though we, you know, we don't even recognize that, but what's going on around us. So one of the first things that uh, got my attention this week was I was scrolling through my phone and Facebook, and I saw a piece of an excerpt from an interview with um, Trevor Noah and Will Smith. And um, I listened to it. I, I, I'm not sure what really captured me because... When this first happened with the slap, I have to tell everyone, I have to confess, I have to be honest, I was very angry at Will Smith. I felt that he tainted his moment that he had worked so hard to deserve. I felt that he had, that everything I had seen prior to in his family was, I've always felt that there was a toxic environment and he brought that with him to the show and that his, his acting out was part of that. I felt that... um he did the disservice to a lot of people of color who are working hard to be recognized in that same manner and to break into certain and to break through certain ceilings in the industry. I felt that it was simply beneath him to do that. But, you know, those are all emotional and initial reactions. So the shock and awe reaction from him. And then I let it go out my mind, right? Because really and truly, I'm not one of those people that gets attached to celebrities, you know. Uh, and we're going to talk a little bit about that in this um, segment. Because when I listened to Trevor Noah interview him, I recognized that now I had, now the time had passed and I'd taken a step back. I recognized that irrespective of what I thought about in that moment, it was time to forgive. Now, I'm not one of those extremists in the sense that I don't think I would have stopped. You know, if he, if he came out with a new movie and it was good, I would have, I would have seen it. But when I, um, the day later, I think this happened on Monday, maybe I saw that. And on Tuesday, either Monday or Tuesday, but a day later, I'm scrolling through Facebook again. And I happened to come across a post that is actually, that was posted prior to that one. And it was advertising that the the interview was coming 
and people were making comments. I meant to have my phone here with me. I'm looking at my console desk here, and I don't have that particular phone. But um, I wanted to read something that someone posted. But it was sort of that they loved him as an actor. They identified with that as being who he is, and what they saw was how ugly he is, and therefore they want nothing to do with him again, that kind of thing. And, you know, as I thought about it, I said, you know, we as human beings can be so judgmental, so uh, holier than thou. We can live in glass houses and, and throw stones. I myself have worked hard to live a life that's respectful, that's honorable to my family, myself, and the people around me, people I interact with. I, I try to enforce kindness and respect um, and, and all the things I think that are necessary for us to interact in a decent and honorable way as human beings. And I have made mistakes. I have made mistakes that have affected me personally. And if I think hard enough, I'm sure I can find several I've made that affected other people, that, that were a disservice to other people, my decisions. And if I also think about those instances, I can probably say that probably in most of those cases, they forgave me. And if they didn't, it probably would have meant a different impact on my life for, you know, in a, in a, and for a long period of time. We need to understand that what we see, who we see on the screen, is not who those people are. We need to understand that they are acting. You know, I have a friend of mine who worked in Manhattan and he did um, some sort of security business, I mean security systems, and he did it for a lot of high-end clientele. So he's met a lot of the stars. And many times he has said to me how this person is really nice and this person is really not, you know, really nasty, not nice at all. That's not who we see on the screen. You know, you can go to work as a doctor. You can go to work as a police officer. Let me not even choose those professions. You can go to work as a plumber. You can go, go to work as, as, as a maintenance guy. You can go to work as a... As you know, in any profession, and you and there are professions where you can go to work in construction work or whatever, where your interactions are limited, and you know you go and do the job because you love the job, or you wanted to do that, or somehow you ended up in that industry. But when you leave that job, whatever is required in the job is not required from you and more when you go home. You get to go home if you live alone or whatever, for instance, you get to go home to take your clothes off, to walk around the house with nothing on, you know, to, to, to sit there and, on the sofa and put your feet up on your table, whatever you want to do to have a, a sink full of dishes that you won't tackle till later. When celebrities go home, they've got to worry about security. They've got to worry about um, who's going to, which paparazzi is going to try to jump on their property, who's you know, across the street with a long you know, uh, angle lens, a you know, uh, long distance lens. Um, you know, they've got to make sure in certain rooms of their houses they have blinds that, that they stay closed or they, you know, they close for certain things they're going to do, certain events in their home. Um, they got to make sure that, you know, their children are, are you know, the, if they, they're, they're going to a school, that their journeys are safe. And when they get to school, that they're, they're protected from the paparazzi and from people who judge them. You know, I can't help but remember Princess Diana. 
and she, you know, she met her death running from people who were chasing her to get photos of her. You and I, ordinary people, don't have to deal with that in our lives. You know, so I think we ask a lot of celebrities because we we look at that person on screen and we decide that that's who they are. And I hate to tell you this if you don't know, but then not only is that not who they are, but that's not who they have to be. We love to look at people who who act in, in uplifting movies and, 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 and soon enough we call them role models. Who made them a role model? We put that label on them and now because... Everything is tied to you know monetarily you, you, uh, to to their success. So the endorsements and everything else, they now have to live a life who they you know, or, or the way they that is quite different from who they are. Is it wrong? I'm not, I'm not talking about whether it, it, in morals and ethics, but is it wrong in in action for me to be a movie star that everyone loves on, on screen? And then when I leave that character, I dislike everybody, everything, don't want anyone around me, don't want to be a role model, don't want to have conversations, don't want to meet with people, just want to go act in the movie and come home and be, and be to, I'm, I'm totally introverted and totally isolated. The media, everyone else will have a ton of things to say. Your publicists want you out there taking photos or whatever. But if you like my movie, you see, see me on screen and, and you keep coming back to see me because my acting, my character, the characters I act, my performances are great. You cannot make me that person. And so if you look through the history of, you know, what was that? The uh, Jada Pinkett Smith has that red table talk or whatever it is. You know, I remember what an uproar it was on the internet. And I, I thought it to be incredible and at the same time, incredibly dysfunctional for a wife to sit opposite a husband on a, on a public forum and talk about an entanglement and to go through that publicly. I'm not that kind of public person, right? Whatever the outcome was, if I were in that situation, it would need to be a private discussion. Living your life in the public, you know, and now that's their choice, right? Whether they always were like that or they evolved to be that way. But living your life that way means that you open yourself up to exactly what happened to him. And, I, and there's so many other things going on with that family that when I see the, the articles in the news or the tabloids or whatever, I skip, I don't read them. Because I think that there's an inherent pressure that's there. And on that night, whatever happened on his trip to the Oscar, you know, whatever happened at home, whatever happened, that whatever happened in the last 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes or seconds or days or months. That was one of the eruptions of it. And it was a moment that whatever was bubbling in him behind the scenes, he couldn't stop. And he probably had a, it's probably one of those things where, the, you know, when, the, when you're in a plane, it goes up and it drops. So you had a high moment and then he immediately had to have a low moment. I'm sure that after... He sat back down and he, and he uttered those few expletives at, at, at Chris Rock. He had to start sinking or crashing shortly after that inside because he's not stupid. And he had to begin to recognize that despite the standing ovation or whatever, that he made a huge mistake. In, in his interview with Trevor Noah, he talks about coming home after the Oscars and he has this nephew who's really sweet and he loves very much who was sitting in his lap. 
and 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 part of the interaction with this child you know was it was a huge impact of 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 him recognizing what had just transpired so that part of my podcast is simply you know this episode is learn to forgive learn not we have to learn not to be so judgmental i i don't understand how we're so judgmental when every single one of us have enough baggage in our lives that someone can judge us. And we would hate to be on the other end of it. Because just how someone can judge Will Smith over a slap, they can judge us over anything else. And we don't have, but we or, or say, but we don't have the, we're not under the scrutiny that these celebrities are. If I walk out of McDonald's and I take the wrapper off of a burger or something and I eat the burger and I throw the paper on the ground, someone bystander might say, look at how dirty he is. Look at that, look what he's doing. And they walk on. If a, if a celebrity walks out and he does that, there's going to be a camera somewhere that takes his picture. It's going to be big in the front of some newspaper or some, you know, somewhere or somewhere on the internet, talking about what they did and look what they're doing to the environment. And then they're going to come out and they have to make a public apology. And then they're going to have to confess that they really, you know, are, 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 the environment is really important to them. And that was just a, a mistake. And then they're going to have to make a donation to some organization to, to all of. The, I mean. It is ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. I understand that companies pay them money. I understand the endorsements. But none of those things, in my book at least, supersedes the fact that they are human and that all of us who put these demands on them, we are guilty of sometimes just as guilty as they are or in, in many cases, way more. That's all I'm going to say about that because I want to touch on two other things really quickly. I don't want to make this too long. The second thing is, on my way home tonight, you know, I've been hearing over the last few weeks, and I've spoken about it, about um, Facebook layoffs, Twitter layoffs, Netflix, I think, layoffs, um, a bunch of major companies laying off. Tonight, I heard Wells Fargo's laying off, and a bunch of other financial institutions are laying off because of the housing market, because of inflation. You know, it's almost like a like we're plummeting into a recession with no breaks. And I think what bothered me about that enough to make it part of this conversation is, why does this always seem to happen at Christmas? And what I'm getting at is, you know, we as kids, we loved Christmas. As adults, we do too. But we realize that a lot of Christmas, the, the celebration part of it, not the biblical part, but the celebration part that I'm focusing on for a moment is about kids and a season of joy and happiness. You know, maybe one of those parents who's being laid off had their kid asked them for something at the beginning of the year, or maybe they asked them the last Christmas and they couldn't get, and they saved all year because their kid does great in school and deserved it. And so much so that they were able to tell the child that this Christmas you're going to get it. And then they get laid off. And now that money that they saved you know, its its use becomes more important in survival than a gift. I don't know if there's, I don't think there's any deliberate, I would hope there's no deliberate intent, but it seems like every Christmas, whenever we have this economic struggle, it always seems to be a Christmas that people get let go. A time of year that's supposed to be filled with joy, a time when people, it's about giving and sharing. And to me, that's such a difficult thing. I was listening to the news again the other day and someone commented that 60% of our population right now live paycheck to paycheck. 
So when you lay someone off, the impact is, is the ripple effect of the impact is devastating to the same economy that you're trying to protect yourself from, along with their lives are devastated, along with the mortgages they have to pay that, that even with unemployment they can't pay, along with the rents they have to pay that with landlords now who are going to say, I need my money. Okay, you're putting people you're putting people in a, an immense amount of stress because survival is the ultimate uh, challenge. And what they basically do is we we lose people and people lose their lives and people take their own lives because they can't deal with it. They can, they don't know where else to turn. People turn to crime when they recognize that they're in such a financial situation now that they can't feed their children. Some of these people may have been people who finally started to get back on their feet after losing a breadwinner to COVID. There is so much here. And the problem is that, you know, again, I'll come back to government and the things they actually focus on. They focus on things that they want us to see. It's sort of mythical that they're somehow doing so much, so much for so much of the population, but they're not. If they really want to get down the trenches, if they really want to, to walk around the people and see what the challenges are, they get a true sense if they tried to, for one moment, to live in the shoes of some of those people. It is Christmas, the season of giving. It is a time when, you know, if, if I owned a company, if the company could afford it, and companies I'm assuming like Facebook and you know, these multi-billion dollar companies could probably afford to keep someone for one more month or, or as much as their, or more of their workforce, you know, if they, had, if they really had to let people go for one more month. I don't know how, how badly they're bleeding, right? But some way, I mean, not that, I, understanding that you're just postponing the struggle, but I, to me, personally, because I, I, I love Christmas, I think that it has more of an impact, an impact of devastation when it happens at Christmas. And I don't know what those families will do because, like I said, I know unemployment is not a solution. I know that um, in addition to unemployment not being a solution, there is the, 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 you know, the challenge of, of what next. There's a challenge of industries that have been devastated because of COVID. There's a challenge of, you know, we have this tendency. I hate, I hate numbers. I hate statistics when we're, when we're relating to human beings because statistics will say, well, you know, they laid off 200,000 people and they're 500,000 jobs. That if, you know, and, and that in itself sounds like, okay, we've got enough jobs for these people. But you've got to think about number one, what industries are these jobs in? Are there industries that require training and, 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 and years of learning that you can't just walk into and start working? What level of income was, you know, was this person, you know, what was their income prior to being laid off? If I was living, and you live according to your means, don't ever let us forget. I don't know of any human being who makes $200,000 a year and wants to live in a, in, a, in, a, in a dump, I'll call it, forgive me for using that word, that, that costs you know, $200 a month because that's how they want to live. As we work hard, as we progress in our careers, as we earn more, we use that as part of the catalyst to lift our lives up and to enjoy more and to live this one-time journey we have. So a person that was making $200,000 a year and got laid off, you know, telling them their jobs out there and they go out there and you offer them a job for $50,000, it's better than zero. But understand, it's still, the impact is so severe that it still presents the same 
struggle, the same stress, the same sense of hopelessness. So there is so much more that government needs to, and I don't have the answers. I'm just pointing out the things that they need to focus on to understand that their ultimate task should be human survival. The ultimate task should be working for the people. You spend millions of dollars a year, both publicly and on private institutions that run jails, that run prisons. You spend tremendous amount of money on, on incarcerating and unfortunately incarcerating people of color more than anything else. And every few years, of course, you find out that, well, you know, we shouldn't have incarcerated for this type of crime. So, you know, we'll, 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 we won't do that anymore after you've devastated lives. I heard a guy, on, I think it was actually a guy on TV that said, um, plastic bags were all over the place and marijuana was illegal. Now marijuana is legal and the plastic bag is illegal. And that's just a metaphor for how we keep switching in life and we never actually look at the people who were impacted when we were in one direction or the other. We, again, we spend billions, not many, billions of dollars on jails, especially private ones, where behind the walls there's a whole lot of abuse and a whole lot of things going on. And we, we take people out of society, especially people of color, in, 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 in large numbers and incarcerate them many times um, unfairly and many times in a situation where because they don't have the money to get certain representation, they go to jail while a rich person would walk for the same crime. And so I, I brought this to your attention because we need to pay attention to what's going around us, on around us. We need to look at who we see along our journey and who we can help, whether it be a quarter, a dime, a nickel, a dollar, five dollars, helping someone with their bags, helping someone with food, buying two, I know, and I know the food costs are out the roof, but maybe we can buy an extra loaf of bread or an extra you know, a tin of sardines or something and give it to someone who is in the struggle. And there are those people who, who won't accept it, but for the most part, I'm talking about people who would gladly say, you just gave me a meal for another day. So the money that I was going to spend for a meal today, I can take that and put it towards making sure I keep a roof over my head. And the last thing I want to touch on, and then I'm, I'm out of here for this episode, is yesterday, yeah, today is Thursday, um, December 1st, yesterday, um, I, I, I read a story, I think it's in, in the Bronx in New York somewhere, that a 14-year-old kid was walking on the street and two guys dressed in masks jumped out from behind a car and shot him. It seemed it what was a targeted hit, and they killed him. And, and, and you know, things affect me, I think, personally in a different way because I, I feel really connected to people. This, this um, privilege you give me to speak with you in this forum makes me connect to, more connected to you and fighting for your cause and looking at your cause. I'm trying to understand when did we get to a place where a 14-year-old kid, the solution to whatever's going on is murder, 14 years old. There's so many things that kid hasn't learned yet or can't even do yet. Now, I understand there are 14-year-old kids who have joined gangs, okay? But murdering that kid cannot be the answer. 
the rivalries today no longer end with fistfights. People feel that, what, and, 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 and when you hear these things ha- play out in court, and you hear the reason why one person shot and killed another one, you know, it, it, is, it is scary and it is, and it is sad at the same time because it's very, very obvious that life has no value to them. They don't look at life and, and realize how precious it is. They don't look at life. They, they, they kill each other like, you know, when they're dead and they, they go in their coffin and they're buried, that next week they're going to wake up and start the journey again. The impact on the families, you know, the ones who are caught and incarcerated, that's one thing. The ones who die, that's something else. But I still can't, I, I'm sorry, maybe you as my, as my as my listening public and you who are joining me in these conversations, maybe you can explain to me how to absorb that. How to absorb someone, not in, I mean, kids getting shot in, 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 you know, in the crossfire happens a lot in New York. I'm sure it happens around the country too. But a deliberate assassination, and this is the second time I'm thinking, you know, I've, I'm talking about this and maybe in a month because there was a kidnap, and I think it was in Virginia or Atlanta, one of the two that was, and my family knows this kid, so, you know, I, I'm a little vague on the, on the particulars, but he was raking his grass in the front yard, and there's a drive-by shooting, and he was 13 years old, I think, and they shot him in the head and killed him. What does a 13-year-old kid say to someone else that their response has to be, I will shoot you? I don't know who does that. I don't know when we degraded as human beings to the point where we could kill another human being, not under threat. We're not standing there protecting our child or our sister or our parents and the person's coming towards them with a knife or a gun and we're doing what we is inherent as us as human beings. I'm talking about just taking a life from someone for the most frivolous of reasons, and we know what some of them are because we hear them in court. He looked at me the wrong way. He stepped on my shoes and didn't say sorry. He disrespected me. Really? Look, for those of you who are like me who celebrate Christmas in, in both the, the, the celebratory manner of the, the Christmas tree and the lights and all that, but also with the, the core meaning, that's the birth of Christ. For those of you who are spiritual like me and believe in our Lord and Savior, you understand what Christ represented. And the peace and power that is inherent in our Creator has no direct relationship to how we've betrayed Him as human beings. We, 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 you know, the Bible talks about us being created in, 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 in God's image. I don't know what image I'm seeing these days but it certainly is not one that would make my creator smile. It's certainly not one that I think that does in any way can be related. I don't know how to process it. But when you're going to shoot a 14-year-old boy in the head and kill him, or about the body, whatever, but you're going to kill him. When you're going to shoot a 13-year-old boy in the drive-by, probably because you had some argument verbally and they disrespected you. When you're going to run into a bodega as they did in New York and, and kill a kid 
because you thought he was a member of a gang and he was actually the wrong person you killed. When you're going to walk in the subway in New York City and see the train coming and push someone in front of the tracks because you were that angry. When you're going to look someone in the eyes and pull a trigger simply because you, you, you don't get along and you've decided to be judge and jury and you've decided that person has no right to be on this face of the earth again. When you're going to make decisions to take lives that you didn't create, then we, you or whomever commits these acts, have com they are completely lost human beings. And, you know, it's, it's sometimes you hear of stories where people are killed and they have a long criminal record. And I don't mean any disrespect to anyone, but you'll hear, you know, some relative come out and say, oh, he was such a good kid. And the record and the amount of crimes and the, and the warrants of his arrest for, for attempted murder and manslaughter and all these things um, get brushed away for that moment. He's such a good kid. I, I tend to think that somewhere along this journey, the cruelty that we dispense upon others comes back to us tenfold. When we see those instances where someone has inflicted so much pain on, on so many others, and then we hear that someone returned the favor, I'm going to use that language, I simply think of whosoever sheddeth another man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. I hate to end this episode on such a somber note, but hopefully it will put you in a mood that makes you want to rise up and be part of something that helps to change. I don't know how much we can get done, but we've got to get something done. And we've got to start now. I'm your host, Julian Perry. This has been 247 Real Talk Podcast. It's a pleasure to have been here with you. Until the next time, take care of yourselves and do take care of each other.